warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Attention, listeners. Radio Free Hipster is the internet's home for nerdcore hip-hop. Nerdcore used to be just a made-up word. MCs shied away from belief. Rest assured. Geek Rock. Chiptunes. VGM. Like remixes. I was a terror since the public school era. Bathroom passes, cutting classes, squeezing asses. Smoking blunts was a daily routine. A veritable celebration of nerd music and culture. Yours free, twice monthly at hipsterplease.com. Dig that shit. Nerdlinger. Listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. So you can't wake me up to play video games or something? Didn't want to disturb you. You were balls deep in that turtle with a thumb in your mouth. I love my turtle.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 92 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? Oh, man. Now, I listened to the last podcast we did, and I realized that it's your job to get the guests, to scope out the show, do the recording, do the production, post the show, to Editing. do the publicity, and it's my job to be funny. And I didn't do my job. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's a big job that I have, and I let you down in a big way. So I realize this is our PAX episode, and it's going to be like all PAX all the time, talking PAX, 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 but I feel obligated to just try to tell a funny story or something. So let me just let me just tell you, I was approached by, by an elementary school principal. Okay. And he said... He understood that I, I did some art, and he said, hey, you know, we need some new t-shirts for the staff of this elementary school, and, you know, would you be interested in designing a shirt for us? And so I'm always excited to try to expand my, my graphic arts business, and so I said, sure, you know, what, what do you want the shirts to look like? Because, well, you know, I don't know, whatever, you're, you're the artist, you know, whatever you want. <laughs> See, and this is where I'm, I'm a much better smartass than I am a, a businessman. Okay. Because I, really, whatever I want, he's like, yeah, whatever you want. This is so I can just spell out the word staff and penises. <laughs> Guess who's not making a staff shirt? <laughs> yeah. He didn't yeah. take it as the joke that it was. Huh? No, no, he, he, you know, he really did. He laughed, and I think that there was levity in the moment, but I have not heard back on this whole t-shirt thing since then, <laughs> so I think perhaps maybe he thought I wasn't the best guy to be doing anything with an elementary school. Maybe. Maybe, maybe your rates were too stiff. <laughs> My rates of, sure, man, anything for the school is free. <laughs> That's the thing. People don't realize, though, I, I like donate a lot. Anytime somebody from a school ask me if they can use a cartoon of mine or some of my stuff, you know, what the rate is. I always just say, you're an educator. It's free. Thanks for asking. Uh-huh. I do my part. Well, that's kind of you. Like, I try to do my part on the show. I try to be funny. Fail. I just fail repeatedly. <laughs> Maybe this episode you'll do better. God, I hope so. <laughs> well, as you mentioned, this is our big PAX episode. We actually spent an entire four days together. Three days? Four days. Three days. It seemed like a a year. Yeah, a long time together, doing video game stuff, doing other game stuff. Had a really good time. Saw some live music. It was awesome. PAX is always a fantastic time. And uh, we've brought a lot back with us. I have seven, count them, seven interviews from PAX. uh, Most of them video game related, so some very cool stuff for you to check out. Additionally, uh, not to be left out on the music front, we have a band who does some video game covers. This is a band from New York City called This Place Is Haunted. Very cool guitar-based band that I've been digging on. One that uh, actually I learned about from uh, our good friend Z at Hipster Please. And uh, it was really exciting to be able to have them join us on the show. So we've got an interview with Jeff and Pete from This Place Is Haunted as well has a bunch of great new music for you to enjoy. And uh, I hope you dig the show. I hope you dig the show. So first things first, dude. Why don't we just get right into what pisses us off. Now, I got to say, this weekend, of course, was Labor Day weekend. And we were going to 
kind of, you know, finish the weekend in style with having some hot dogs on the grill, you know, that type of thing, just a little bit of summer food. And I thought I wanted to pick up something to drink that would that would carry over that summer mood. And Rogue Brewery is one of my favorite breweries. They do Dead Guy Ale, which is delicious, guy, yeah. out of Portland. And they had a something I thought looked kind of different. Now, Voodoo Donuts, of course, is in Portland, and they're known for their maple bacon donuts. And Rogue has done a Voodoo Donut Bacon Maple Ale. Oh, and, God. Which, you know, I, I knew when I picked up the bottle that this could go one of two ways. Either it's going to be delicious or it's going to be absolutely horrendous. No, it could go one of two ways. It could be horrific or it could be poisoned. <laughs> so I brought it home, opened it up, poured a glass for my wife, and uh, you know, no, it was pretty bad. And I poured a glass for myself, but the one pint nine ounce bottle cost me thirteen dollars. So I'm gonna drink this goddamn thing. God, yeah, because it's bad enough to waste money. You may as well waste money and drink something. Yes, I'm good. going to teach myself a lesson not to buy anything ever again that's in a pink bottle. <laughs> so, so it Don't pisses buy me off. Beer. So yeah, that thirteen dollar beer that tastes like shit pisses me off. And then I'm sitting here drinking it, and I realize my Hulk pint glass has a crack in it. <laughs> it's probably rejecting the beer. That's what's going and on. And that pisses me off too. So. <laughs> thinking maple bacon beer or they fresh know. out of like mango anus <laughs> that was it was between the two i gotta say i had mango anus in my hand yeah <laughs> i don't count that for more <laughs> so what pisses you off dude manus mangus mangus oh god here's what pisses me off i went to pax rented a car so i could do my driving and uh, when I came time to return the car, you got to fill it up with gasoline first. Yeah. Now, this is a rental car. It's not my vehicle. I'm not completely familiar with the machine. So I go to fill it up, and I'm sitting in there trying to find the lever to pull, the button to push, the lever to shift something so I can pop the gas cap and fill up the car. Right. Can't find it for the life of me. So I go, oh, oh, aha. This is one of those stupid cars where you don't need to unlock anything to pop. You can just, like, grab a hold of the, the sheet metal on the outside of the car and open it, and it exposes the gas cap. So I walk back there. Nope. It's, like, contoured nicely with the car. There's nothing to grip. There's no way to, like, open the thing. Clearly, there's a there's a latch. So I go back inside. Cars are now, like, backing up behind me, gassing, driving around. I resort to... Finding the manual for the car in the glove box, going through it, I can find several chapters on fuel. The type of fuel you're supposed to put in, the type of fuel you're not supposed to put in, how you're not supposed to consume the fuel yourself, all this stuff about the fuel, nothing about how to open the gas cap. Now, cars have come filled up and gone and have been replaced by other cars that have come and filled up and gone, and nobody is helping me. The thing about it is, nobody really realizes how long I've been there. They all assume that I just got there, and then they take off thinking, hey, that jackass is still sitting in this car. Couldn't do life when figure out how to open the gas cap. I finally went back there. I'm looking at the, that piece of metal that needs to open up to expose the gas cap, and I take my key, and I, like, slip it in the 
crack between the main body of the car and the metal, and I, I kind of start bending it. It's a rental. And all of a sudden, I apply enough pressure that the rental gas cap cover pops open before the key gets terribly bent. Okay. There was no button to push. It was just one of those things you're supposed to grab, but it was all jammed in place. Oh, wow. Pisses me off. I was feeling really, really incompetent sitting in the car seat trying to figure out. I was waiting for some guy to come out of the gas station. Did they end up charging you? Did they end up charging you extra for that? No, I didn't really bend the, the key enough to notice, and I didn't really bend the sheet metal enough to notice. Yeah, so they have I didn't really damage anything. So they haven't found out that it doesn't open yet. You know, I should have mentioned something like, hey, have any problems with the car? Yeah, you can't get gas in it, but <laughs> by that point, I was running late. I was in a hurry. Yeah. Wow. Sorry to hear yeah. that, man. That's yeah, all right. American cars. What can you do? Yeah, what are you going to do? Well, you know, uh, we actually have a voicemail. Uh, Mick Pierce was kind of pissed off at our last episode, so I think we better give him his day in court. All right, MC Pierce. What you got? Hey, guys. Mick Pierce here. Calling in about uh, this recent episode of the Bobat Show, specifically about uh, Gord's political rant regarding Chick-fil-A. The issue is, not, and I'm not going to go into a big, long spiel, so don't worry about that. The issue is not about what Truett Cathy said. His opinion is not the point. The point of the boycotts is that Truett Cathy, through his nonprofit organization, Windshape, has funneled in excess of $5 million to companies like FRC Action, the I think it's the Marriage and Family Council, and Exodus International, all of which actually actively go after homosexuals in the population through legislation. Specifically, stuff like adding amendments to state constitutions as well as the U.S. Constitution, trying to get those passed to redefine marriages between one man and one woman, trying to get the American Psychiatric Association to redefine homosexuality as a mental disorder, all kinds of stuff like that. So it's not about what Truett Cathy said, which, you know, nobody's surprised that the guy who runs a uh, fast food place that's closed on Sundays would be against gays. That's not a surprise. It's the fact that he actually is spending money to try and deprive gay people of rights. That's the problem. All right, talk to you guys later. Bye. Oh, and I don't sound anything like Bond. I'm from New Jersey. I have a South Jersey accent. Bond's from North Jersey. He has a North Jersey accent. We don't sound anything alike. Bye. See, here's the thing. Can't believe we're still talking about Chick-fil-A. Yeah, that, that's messed up. And I did not realize that he was funding these nefarious groups when I did the rant. I found that after the fact. What I don't understand, what I can't wrap my mind around, is if I had so much money, if I had money just falling out my ass, and I didn't know what to do with it, I already got the platinum yacht with the diamond-studded helicopter to go on it. I still don't think I would spend $5 million dollars trying to change who could get married to whom. That would be so far down my list. That's what should be described as a mental illness by the American Psychiatric Council. Who really gives a rat's butt? I've never, ever understood that. Yeah. Well, I just think it was kind of funny that when you heard the passion in Mick Pierce's voice, he was twice as pissed that you confuse him for sounding like Vaughn than he was about your rampant homophobia. <laughs> Well, I can totally understand that. That's, <laughs> that's completely understandable. I, I'm sorry. 
All right, well, why don't we talk a little bit about PAX? Hey, let's. Let's talk about PAX. Again, fantastic convention. Had three days of just great gaming time. Saw a lot of great new stuff that's coming out in the next year. Uh, went to a couple of cool panels. We went to the panel for XCOM, which is a remake of a game that's been around since way back in the Amiga days that I actually played. Uh, it was like called XCOM Enemy from the Deep. And then uh, to see them remaking that, I know you were really excited about that. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we went to a panel of... Uh, Jerry and Mike themselves making a comic strip for Penny Arcade. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, then finally, after you'd actually left, I was able to go to the Gearbox panel and see a bunch of information about Borderlands 2, which is probably my most awaited game right now that I'm really looking forward to. And it was just really cool to kind of immerse ourselves in gaming for a couple of days, see all these games that you know are coming out, spend some time with some really cool independent games, and uh, I had a really good time. I did too. Good time we're had by all. Way to go, Penny Arcade. Way to make a cool convention again. Next year, they're adding a fourth day, which, you know, they probably need to. The con sold out in a day, in 24 hours. I mean, and honestly, I didn't even know that tickets had been on sale, that they had already come and gone by the time I heard about it. So, you know, it was lucky that we were able to get in via press Yeah, and by the way, thank you, Penny Arcade guys, for allowing us media access. That's quite awesome. Because, you know, how do you go to this if you really want to and you your finger isn't on the mouse? It's almost like losing an eBay auction. <laughs> yeah, really. And so, you know, they definitely need to add another day. But, wow, you know, that's I, I don't know what else they could do. Because it doesn't seem like that much like adding a whole other convention, PAX East, has really alleviated the crowds at Prime at all. Did you really just say whole nother? Yeah, I did. God, you're illiterate. Fuck you. <laughs> anyway, why don't we uh, check out a couple of interviews here. This first interview is uh, regarding XCOM, and then we go into Borderlands 2. I hope you enjoy them. All right, this is Steve. And this is Gord. From the Bone Bat Show podcast. And we're here with Garth from Veraxis Games to talk about XCOM, Enemy Unknown. Yes. It's a brand new game that's coming out on October 9th. You got it, yep. And, you know, I played XCOM a long time ago, back in, like, the Amiga days. Nice. And so I haven't touched an XCOM game in a long time. What can folks expect from this brand new iteration of the game? Well, if you've played the original, uh, I think you're going to be pleased. There are a lot of the elements from that original game that we wanted to maintain. We wanted to uphold the spirit of the original with respect to having a strategy layer where you can make these big sweeping decisions in the alien invasion, have a tech tree, have a customizable base. Then there's the turn-based combat against the aliens with fog of war, permanent death, destructible environments. All of those pillars from the original we wanted there to be in this game. Obviously, some of the mechanics are different. We've updated. Um, we've, we've done our spin on certain things, but... I think fans of the original uh, will be pleased that they can create the same sorts of memories that they did in the early 90s. Absolutely. One of the things that I found cool about the game in the few minutes I got to play hands-on was the sense of urgency. I mean, turn-based strategy can be kind of cold sometimes. Yeah, because, yeah. You know, it t- sort of t- you take your time doing it. Right. But with the, the kill scenes and the animations, it's yeah. very urgent, and you yeah. feel a little stressed there. It's pretty cool. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Our, our action cameras, we wanted to pull down. 
make it feel pretty tense and that there is there could be something around that next corner in the fog of war always have a sense of urgency and tension because there is a possibility of permanent death which a lot of games aren't doing right now but with that said we also really embrace the turn-based mechanics because when you haven't revealed an aliens it's it's this creepy atmosphere and the music is more ambient as opposed to action music before you reveal them so we, we feel like we try to get you know a little bit of both that's nice have a little bit of scare in there right as well. right yeah, indeed. The Thin Man. Yes. What keeps him so thin? What is his secret? <laughs> well, he is on a diet of raw fish only. Um, that alien species, they seem to really just take to, to the waters and pulling out fish. And uh, they actually do ha- hillbilly hand fishing. I don't know if you're aware of that. Um, that will keep you thin unless you're really a lot quick. of energy right. doing hillbilly that, hand fishing. Right, right. And that's all they eat. But, yeah, they're a creepy bunch. All right, and uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown, what systems is that going to be available for, Garth? That's coming out on PC, uh, Xbox 360, and PlayStation 3 on October 9th in the U.S., October 12th international. So really, any way you want it, you can get That's this right. game. Yeah, no That's excuse right. not to play this game. Absolutely, and, and we're really excited about that because, again, this is in its roots. It's a PC game, but there's not an experience out there on the consoles like this, and I'm very excited about that. I think that... This could offer something different in the sea of shooters and action games, which we love. We love those kinds of games, but this is something a little bit different. Yeah, and something that harkens back for longtime gamers. Right. They know this, the storylines and the kind of alien battles, and yeah. that's a lot of fun, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One last question, Garth. Sure. We always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bat Show, what pisses you off? What pisses... That, wow, that's a pretty open-ended question. Just in general, what pisses However me off? you want to say it. Holy moly. I like that. On the spot. People that don't use their blinker. Yeah. People that cut me off and don't use their blinker. Just they could have a little common courtesy and and at least tell me you want to cut me off by putting on the blinker first. And they don't use the blinker, I get I get pissed off. Man, traffic pops up in what pisses you off so <laughs> often. In the traffic column. <laughs> thank Absolutely. you so much. Yes. Thank uh, you, Garth. Welcome. I appreciate your time, man. No, thank you. It was nice meeting you guys. You too. Once again, Stephen Gord here from PAX 2012, and we're in the Borderlands 2 Sanctum Sanctorum with Kevin. What is your role on the game? Concept designer uh, at Gearbox. Very cool. Thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, no problem. So I, I got to say, I, I don't know if I'm speaking for Gord as much, but Borderlands 2 is the take-the-day-off-work game of the fall for us. <laughs> really fired up to see what you guys have coming up. Yeah. Played a little bit and uh, really looking forward to this game, man. All right, excellent. <laughs> That's what we want to hear. I mean, you know, we've been working pretty hard on it, and I can't believe the response that we're getting. I mean, I don't know how long that line is out there. I, I just can't believe it. <laughs> well, I, when I jumped into the demo, I was playing as uh, Salvador. So okay. immediately the gun zerker. I already got to test some of your handiwork. You got a lot of great new guns this time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, our focus was to obviously come up with some new designs, uh, make things a little more, have more variation uh, in, in the gun designs this time. You know, we've got, what, six different manufacturers, uh, everything from Old West Jacobs, you know, to the really high-tech Mollywan stuff. You know, our main antagonist in the game is the head of Hyperion Corporation. So, you know, you'll see their their robots all over the, the place and then their guns as well. And, uh, you know, you just got to figure out the look for all those. And, and they all behave differently. You know, our designers came up with just these crazy schemes for some of this stuff. Now, with the, about 11 bazillion different kinds of guns <laughs> in the game, 
some of these things are outrageous, the combinations and the styles of the guns. Yeah, How yeah. many like 10-year-old boys did you employ to come up with ideas for guns? <laughs> it's a gun that shoots acid and it takes away your energy. And what did you have, like a giant jar full of ideas and yeah. you just randomly draw them out? Yeah, you know, we, we've got some really creative game designers. And, uh, you know, they're, they're pulling stuff from, you know, their own heads. They're pulling stuff from pop culture. They've got stuff... Uh, it, I think one guy uh, brought his kid in and, and was like, hey, what do you want in this, you know, rocket launcher? And, you know, he gave three different aspects of it, and we went ahead and built it, you know? <laughs> Perfect. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I know, uh, shit, there's one gun that's real funny. There's a Torg out there you can find. Um, oh, man, it's got a real funny name. It's like, you know, Big Bazooka or whatever the hell. And uh, it's got drawings all over it like a kid is drawn on it. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so like, it looks like you know something from your fifth grade sketchbook, like you know with explosions and like people getting shot and all that. That's why but, I never leave my bazooka out of the house because my <laughs> kids draw all over that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not sure which brand it is, but you, when the gun is empty, you go to reload, you throw it, and it explodes. I just love that. That is so kick-ass. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's uh, that's our TDR. Yeah, um, TDR. That's right. Yeah, you know, and that's part of the the game designers coming up with these just really cool, uh, unique things for each gun. Bandits just got these massive box-fed magazines. I mean, you got like 150 rounds or something like that in, in each one of those. You know, you mentioned the TDR is exploding. You know, Molly Wan's like this battery-powered, glowing all the time, always elemental. Torx firing rockets all the time. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, the little bit that we played today was multiplayer, and it was just insane. And I know that but Borderlands 1, for me, I probably played like 80% of the time on single player and 20% of the time multiplayer. Yeah. And I can see that ratio changing fastly <laughs> just in the few minutes I played. This is so much fun to play with your friends. Oh, absolutely. You know, and we tried to make it a lot easier and a lot more seamless. Uh, this time around to, to join friends games. You know, you might be in the middle of missions and, and your buddy comes in, plays with you, completes those missions, and then let's say he logs out, goes home, and he hasn't quite gotten there yet, you know, in his game. So he'll do his missions that he had before he joined you, and then when he gets to that point, he can say, do you want to skip ahead? You already did all this stuff, and yeah, boom, skipped ahead. Oh, nice. Yeah, That's so a like, yeah, I mean, again, we, you know, we really want the co-op to just be Nice and seamless, like, you know, if you're playing at your house, your buddy comes over, he plugs his controller in, the, the screen splits, and you keep playing. You don't have to log out, you don't have to do anything like that. So, yeah. Very cool. And the game's only hitting in a few short weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, about two and a half weeks. Uh, <laughs> we're, again, man, we're just stoked. Like, I can't believe the reception we're getting. Uh, we're pretty proud of the product that we made, and, and it's, it's awesome seeing the reaction. Uh, I, of course, have my pre-order in because I want the Necromancer. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. really cool. She looked like a great character. I love the uh, Death Trap robot that you could use with that character. Yeah, she's pretty wild. You know, it, it's nice having another female character in there. You know, but she's kind of badass and, like, kind of dark. You know, where Maya's a little cleaner and seems a little more straight cut. The Necromancer is, like, I don't know. It's kind of creepy, but uh, but pretty cool. Very cool. The last question we ask every guest on the Bone Bat Show. Yeah. Tell me, what pisses you off? <laughs> what pisses me off? Uh, squids on motorcycles, not wearing any gear, and flying down the highway at 80 miles an hour. That that pisses me off. <laughs> it's raising all of our insurance rates. It's just frustrating. <laughs> yeah, you do see that quite a bit, don't you? Yeah. Wear your helmet, damn it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. We're really looking forward to the game. All right, cool. Yep. Thanks.
Once again, that was Super Mario Brothers 2, taken from the album This Place is Haunted, the remastered version from 2012. And joining me now on the show is Jeff Barone and Epileptic Pete from This Place is Haunted. How you doing, gentlemen? Uh, I'm doing good. How you doing? Fantastic. Now that we've got you guys on. Oh, uh, yeah. We're doing great. So it was cool that you could join us this episode since we're kind of talking a lot about video games. And I know that you're a band that doesn't just do that. But that is certainly part of your repertoire. Uh, how did This Place is Haunted get started? Well, This Place is Haunted got started back all the way in 2005 in State College, Pennsylvania, which is primarily a uh, party band, cover band kind mm-hmm. of scene out there. I'm not sure what it is now ever since all that kid molested went on, but uh, that's what <laughs> it definitely was back then. So, uh, so cover band really is the music for kid molested. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you want to lure, lure a kid in your band. That's or into st- your van. You don't. You don't play an original song. No, it's all just, covers. No, no. Yeah, you give him a gusher, and you play some ACDC, and then you fake <laughs> fuck. Uh, so no. how how has the increase of the popularity of Molesticore affected you? Well, well, it's, I'm not only a member. I'm also the president of Molesticore So no, but uh. Uh, long story short, that the scene was was not conducive to doing anything original. So, to get in kind of the back door, no pun intended, we didn't want to play crappy radio music, so we just started playing video game music, and um, we played half video game stuff and half original stuff, and then the band just kind of evolved into just doing not just video game stuff, but movie stuff, TV themes, and uh, like you heard, you heard Cannibal Holocaust, uh, which was a song I I just love horror movies, so that's why I picked that song. So yeah. I'm so glad it's, it's resonating finally. But uh, so we've gone through a lot of incarnations. We've gone through, yeah. I think, 19 members. Oh wow! <laughs> this band we've gone through, and it's it's not because Jeff or I are awful to work with. It's just, you know, it's hard. It's hard to find people who are genuinely interested in playing video game music, and that generation is definitely split. It's uh, you know we're all turning about you know twenty five to thirty five now, so mm-hmm. people that appreciate it either are dwindling or they're having kids and they're realizing that they don't have time for it. So, <laughs> so I know that they're kind of the the magfest crowd. There's like uh, 
Arm Cannon and Metroid Metal, who we've had on the show, and a number of other bands on the East Coast where that all kind of do different slants, their own takes on video game music. Now, were you all aware of each other when you were starting out, or, or was it kind of more of a just everybody was doing their own thing and it all just came together at the same time? I think that, I mean, maybe Jeff has another opinion, but I think there were the other bands just doing it all at the same time, and then luckily we found some conventions that brought everybody together and then we kind of replicated what we saw from each other we took what we liked and we kind of discarded what we didn't like Mm -hmm, jeff came in the band i think like four or five years ago or something like that so i mean he came in at a different time when i think it was a little more established is is that accurate jeff absolutely it's a it's a funny thing because arm cannon comes from the same uh area in new york state the buffalo region Mm -hmm. as i and it's a weird thing that that area of, of the state begets uh, that kind of nerdery and whatnot. But it was funny because I, before I moved to New York, before I met Pete and the rest of the guys, I was already doing video game music in my own set, my original band. And it just so happened that, you know, I found a Craigslist ad in early 2009 about, you know, these guys who've just moved to Brooklyn, New York themselves. And, you know, we're looking for new people. And me and uh, two of my bandmates at the time, were brought on board, and that was the, uh, this place is haunted Mach 3. <laughs> we, we only name Kinda ourselves... Kind of like Deep Purple. <laughs> we only name ourselves with Razor anecdotes, so okay. you're just going to have to get used to that. That you makes know? a lot of sense, yeah. Absolutely. Fusion 5 is, is, I think, our next in- incarnation. <laughs> so. uh, the Venus, Venus. We're going to go with the women one soon, because we're running out of blades. <laughs> there you go. Flicker is available, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) it seems to me that it's certainly kind of a challenge with video game music, because if you cover, you know, regular pop or rock tunes, you kind of have an idea what the song is. But oftentimes with video game music, it's music that's little snippets here and there and you don't hear a complete song. And so it seems more of a need for like a medley or arrangements that probably leans a little heavier on musical talent. Uh, is that a challenge for you each time when you're deciding what songs to cover? I, I do, and, and it depends on what system. I think we've always been known to do uh, games that are more obscure mm. and then game, games that are harder. Because if you will hear a whole song if you're stuck on a level for, for <laughs> hours and hours. And you'll hate that song, but you'll remember it for the rest of your life, whether you know it brings up good or bad memories. Uh, that's a good point. Okay. I think... A lot of what we've been doing lately, and Jeff has been great with this because he's, he's a composer, uh, is just making these medleys and uh, just trying to bring in the, the most memorable parts of each song, even if it's from an obscure theme, and putting them together and arranging them so it makes musical sense. And that kind of is polarizing to people because there's video game fans that either love or hate us because we do change around some of the song because mm. we're musicians first and video gamers second. So... It's constantly a challenge. I mean, the the bare fact that somebody else has probably covered it before. There's only so many games themes you can do, so you got to make them different. You got to make it interesting. Otherwise, I don't see a point in covering them. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And you do original stuff as well. Actually, one of the tunes I stumbled upon tonight that I've been really been digging on is the Cut Bastard, which also <laughs> is kind of a long tune, but it's got a really great hook to it. I was really digging that one. Yeah, we did that with uh, This Place is Haunted Mach 3. Uh, we, we, we started <laughs> that out at, at shows. And um, it was cool because we wrote that as a th- 
well, I wrote the last two sections and my guitarist wrote the first section. And then we brought it to Jeff and Dave and our old drummer. And they just made it kick ass, you know, like, so all the parts that my original guitarist had to overdub, like five different parts, our, our new guitarist could whip out in one take. So, oh, wow. you know, it's definitely good to throw all that hard stuff at people like Jeff, you know, and Dave, because, you know, the original people that started this band just kind of faked it until we actually got good musicians in the band. <laughs> okay, okay. So what are you guys working on now? Do you have any new projects or a- anything that uh, you want to announce on the show? Go ahead, Jeff. You're the president. <laughs> I'm the president of this establishment. Well, a couple months ago, actually, we did. Um, we were asked to do our own arrangements for a browser-based game called Roko-chan. Japanese made. Um, it was almost like a Mega Man tribute, more or less, but it, it starred... The main character was a girl, but it was a, a very like reminiscent of the Mega Man, you know, one and two gameplay, and the music in and of itself was memorable as well. And these guys from Japan asked us to do our own take on uh, two or three songs, and we went into the studio, my home studio, and banged out the tracks in a day, and pretty much overdubbed from coast to coast. Our guitar player Mike, he lives in. Boulder, Colorado now, so we were bouncing tracks back and forth for the internet, and so that turned out really well. That was good response on that. And, you know, we did uh, you know just our own stylistic take on that eight bit music, just did our own thing. So that was really fun, and it was fun. There was a, I think they they got a lot of different bands to do it. There was like a hundred and forty some tracks or something like that. A Holy lot of chip tune artists and stuff. Yeah, and I think by far like we. Look, I'm, I'm pompous. I love this band. So <laughs> I think there's especially, like, I think it's level four. We did this amazing, like, post-rock feel, and no video game band has, has touched that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we took a song that was just straight video gamey, fast and stuff, and we slowed everything down and just made it one big crescendo. And uh, that's probably one of the things I'm most proud of with this band is the fact that we're like, you know what, let's take this, completely manipulate the fuck out of it, and... <laughs> make it a whole new genre so uh the Rokochan stuff we're actually adding into our live set stuff i mean nobody's gonna fucking know the song i, I know nobody's gonna know but it's still a good song you know it's great music absolutely so, well that's really cool i'm looking forward to hearing it and i like the whole you know life imitates art imitates life aspect of it that you were doing video game covers and now you're doing songs for video games that's badass yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of a trip, especially Japan. I mean, that's like, I mean, all the sex over there and all the porn. Like, it's definitely somewhere <laughs> we want to go and tour some. You know, so, um, uh, maybe you could do a soundtrack for porn next. Hey, hey, yeah. hey! Uh, uh, Jeff, Jeff and I have both had experience with that. We have got commissioned in our our solo projects. We each have you know solo projects and side projects and stuff. And I got commissioned to do a porn soundtrack, and I definitely had asked Jeff for some. You know, keyboard help at that. Point. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work out. I mean, if you can't trust a sleazy ebony porn producer, you know, to pay you on time, I don't know who can you trust. But it was really some raunchy stuff. And I'm not saying he's not trustworthy because he's ebony. I'm saying it's, ebony. it's all black on black. There's, uh, there's lots of throat fucking, lots of. Uh... <laughs> and I think that's when I called Jeff, and I was like, Jeff, this is just more up your alley so. yeah I, <laughs> definitely thanks man so as far as new stuff we got we've been looking on a lot of uh really strange obscure stuff this year's magfest is coming up we always like to put on a kick-ass show 
Yeah, you guys have all, been stalwarts at MAGFAST for a while now, right? Uh, yeah, we're the longest-running band, actually. We are. I'm not Seven. sure. Old time. Yeah, we're the creepy guy at the van out front. Like I, <laughs> Seven years? Yes. Uh, we've been with seven performances. Okay. So, yeah, this will be our eighth performance. So, Arm Cannon is one behind us. Mm-hmm. So, we're just going to keep playing just to spite them, actually. So. <laughs> Very cool. Well, you know, the PAX Prime's adding a fourth day next year. So, that means another night of bands. You guys got to look into that shit because it'd be great to see you here in Seattle. Oh, oh, I know, and, and I'm upset. You know, we missed Pax. Uh, Pax just went on. I would have loved to see uh, the Proto Man and Danimal was there, and they're on the small now. And when Pax comes to Boston, it's always you know we always try to at least make it up there just to show support for some of the bands. But uh, we haven't got asked there yet, so uh, I don't know. I don't know whose dick I have to suck to get up to Pax, but just let me know, and I'll just I'll send Jeff over it. Yeah. <laughs> You hear that, Pax, folks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm down. All right, gentlemen. Well, one last question. We always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. What pisses you off? Oh, Jeff, you're the father. You go ahead. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, oh, he's too nice. I'm on the spot. I don't know. Well, I mean, we, we live in New York, so there's tons of things we, we can hate. You know, like mm-hmm. today I, I got caught staring at a girl's boobs, and I was thinking, like, it's your fault for having such enormous cans. It's not. <laughs> All right. Like, I have a girlfriend. I'm faithful and stuff. But, like, her boobs were enormous. And it's just not fair. Okay? Because I think I'm a pretty nice guy. I don't like to be looked at like all rapists. <clears throat> that kind of pisses me off. When uh, I'm a pretty good guy, but I can't just steal a gun. That just happened today. There could be I mean, New York City. I understand completely. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for your time and for joining Thanks, us Steve. on Thanks the show. And uh, tell our listeners where they can find your music. Uh, well, we're on Facebook. It's just facebook.com. And just, this place is haunted. Twitter, that's T-P-I-H-D-G-M. Uh, we're on Bandcamp. This place is haunted1.bandcamp.com. And you can see our awesome music videos on YouTube. Just This place is haunted. A bunch of self-produced music videos. Actually, the making of... Uh, studio footage of the Roku Chan sessions is on uh, YouTube. Check that out. Some really cool stuff. And the making of uh, You Have Chosen Poorly is on there as well, so fans can dig into that. And you can check out uh, my other project, You Bred Raptors, Facebook.com. So, anyway, that's what we're doing now. We're just nerdy musicians, no matter what genre of music we take on. We want to thank Steve for having us on. We appreciate it. Absolutely no. Wait, wait, one second though. This place is haunted. One dot bat camp. What motherfucker dicked you guys on? This place is haunted. Dot band yeah, camp. Who else would take that? It's a, look. It's a long story, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's some asshole that dicked us on that. And honestly, we didn't want to pick one. We wanted to pick something awesome, like anal pleasure. This place is haunted, or yeah. you know, this place is haunted. Anything, just anything, but. uh we contacted the moderators and they said this is what we can offer you right now and that's the only way we could actually shift over all of our stats that we've already accumulated and we didn't really want to lose those in hindsight we probably just should have started all over but yeah that that guy's gonna burn in hell yeah i I hope he dies in flames that sucks (laughs) that pisses me off now i'm pissed that's not good for anybody yeah well you know you went (laughs) so through so long all right gentlemen well what what should we play for our listeners now this is our X-Men medley from our remastered disc from 2012. Uh, Jeff and I did an awesome job. <laughs> I mean, it's in C, so it's pretty easy, but still, 
this is a game I've always wanted to do. And we were one of the first bands to do Sega Genesis stuff. And this music is so badass. And then we had to throw on the TV theme at the end. So nice. Um, starts off with Jeff's awesome piano work, and it ends with like just Saturday morning. I got my first boner. I'm still in PJs, and this show is <laughs> fucking awesome. So. <laughs> Hope you enjoy it.
Insight. Once again, Steve here at PAX 2012, and I have a few moments here to chat with David Serlin from Serlin Games. How are you doing, sir? Hi, great. I'm happy to be here at PAX and have tournaments for my games going on right around us. <laughs> That's very cool. And I, I just mentioned to you moments ago, I just recently discovered your game Flash Duel, mm -hmm. which is a very cool kind of a, a chibi Street Fighter flavored uh, battle game that works really quick. I've been playing it with my son, who he comes from Pokemon, and so th this was an immediate nice fit for him. Uh, how did you come about the design for Flash Duel? Well, all three of my card games right now, Flash Duel, Puzzle Strike, and Yomi, they all have the same characters in them, the same world, and so it's kind of expressing the fun of asymmetric games, you know, where you each play different characters and different powers in three different game systems. I was working on Yomi, which there's a tournament for right behind us, for several years, and it was taking so long to finish Yomi and get all the art right and all the balance right that I thought, you know, I bet I could make entire other games while I'm just <laughs> waiting to finish Yomi. And so that's where I started to think about, well, what about doing something that's very small and very fast, and how can we get the most strategy possible into a game that's really, really simple? And, you know, that, that was the angle I was, I was coming at with Flash Tool. And it, it works really well because, as I mentioned to you, I can take that game with me anywhere. It comes in a very, you have a big box with a bunch of variation to it, but the, the core game itself, you can take with you, you whip it out, play, you know, yeah. five, ten minutes, and it's very suitable for that. And it has that, you know, okay, best three out of five, best five out of seven. You know, it just keeps building like that, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, there's a, there's a thing in board games where boxes seem to get bigger and bigger over time, but um, I, I really wanted to include inside the main box that portable one, because in the, yeah. the, the earlier version of Flash Tool, the first edition, there, there was a portable one that people told me over and over they love to carry it on, on a plane or on a trip or hiking or whatever. So it worked, just what, just what you said. If you can put a really portable version inside a bigger one, it's like a win-win-win. No, Flash Duel is kind of the fast version. So tell our listeners yeah. a little bit about Yomi. Uh huh. So Yomi was really the kind of the, my, my first main card game, and that the idea there is that I am a, a Street Fighter player. You know, the video game Street Fighter, and also as designer of Street Fighter HD Remix. Uh, I know a lot about tournaments and high level play, and watched it. I participated in it, and, and I really like the kind of mind games and and trickery and, and deception and reading the opponents and just and the fun of doing combos and, and I like a lot of things in fighting games and I wanted to capture that in a way that I could express it to kind of everyone else because in order to enjoy that stuff in fighting games there's this dexterity requirement that's actually pretty high and so it kind of cuts a lot of people out of, of ever being able to participate in it. So so the idea from Yomi was to was to take those fun situations that I learned from the video game world and try to put them in a card game. Try to keep it as simple as I can and do a real different model than something like Magic the Gathering. It, it's people who play Street Fighter, the concept is like you pick Blanca and that's your guy and that's yeah. it. Right? And so I wanted the same kind of thing in Yomi where you pick Grave or Jaina or two of my characters and you just have your deck for them, that's it. You don't need to find rare cards or worry about building the correct deck. You have the, the same deck that the tournament players behind us right now would be using even when you first first get the game. And yeah, I kind of like that, kind of transferring from a physical dexterity to a mental dexterity <laughs> as a game. Yeah. That's a, that's a cool strategy. 
Now you also have uh, Puzzle Strike and Fantasy Strike, right? Which yeah. is is that a little more of a board gamey type? So Puzzle Strike uh, is in the deck building genre. It's so it's the same kind of genre as Dominion, which, okay. which created that. Or Thunderstone, which is yeah, Th- Thunderstone is also in that genre. And there's kind of the theme inspiration, and then there's the gameplay inspiration. So the the inspiration to make the theme of Puzzle Strike is that I was also the lead designer of the video game Puzzle Fighter HD Remix. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that, you know, that's a video game puzzle game. And that particular puzzle game, what I really like about it is there's a comeback factor in it. It's, it's just done in a, in a little bit different way than comeback factors in other games. As you get closer and closer to losing, you become more and more powerful. Okay. <laughs> and so it has a natural back and forth. Like, what happens very commonly is you almost win, but then they're very powerful, and they almost win, and there's, it's, there's just a lot of drama back and forth. And so you're kind of exchanging body blows at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, so yeah, I'm not saying every game should be like that, but right. w- when you come across a game like that that's so different and so interesting, I wanted to express that in a card game. And so there is that same kind of comeback factor in Puzzle Strike, which is, you know, my, well, I'll say card game, but it doesn't use cards, it uses chips. Right. I don't know if you've seen that. But yeah, it, I've it, seen it being played in, uh, over yeah. the other hall, actually. The reason for that is that every game in this subgenre of deck building games, all of them, involve a lot of shuffling and if you put chips in a bag and you and you shake them around with your hand, uh, you, yeah, you, you like some people just can't shuffle; they take forever. They're slowing the whole game down, and so it actually improves the game flow to to use this very unusual form factor. So that's the uh, inspiration on a very high level. But but as as far as like, I want to make a game that uh, for more of a reason than just that. And it was that I saw Dominion, like everyone else did, you know. And, and everyone has their own take on it, but what I really wanted to do is move it in a direction of more player interactions and more decisions and more of a strategy game. So Puzzle Strike is actually designed to be a tournament quality game that, like, it, there's so much to it. We have a hundred page strategy guide, like, written by experts, like, that have played literally a thousand times and keeps strats. So, like, so it does not fall apart. The highest level of Puzzle Strike. There's tons of strategy because it's it's designed for that. It's designed to, to survive that, that kind of punishment and yet still be fun for casuals. So. And, of course, the other thing I do in all of my games is have asymmetry, the, the idea that you pick your own character that has its own powers. And all of the characters have to be fair against each other. It takes a tremendous amount of development effort to, <laughs> well, to pull that yeah, off, I mean, yeah. What is it, there's, uh, is there 40 characters in Flash Duel? Oh, there's 20 in 20 Flash, in Flash well, there, Duel, okay. There were, so there, the first release, there was 10 in Flash Duel, gotcha. okay, there were 10, 10 in Puzzle Strike, and 10 in Yomi, and then I sort of went back and have been fixing everything up, and the Flash Duel you have is the second yeah. edition, there's now 20, now I've just finished the expansion for Puzzle Strike, and it, it has the, the next 10 characters, it's the same 10 that you know okay. from Flash Duel. Uh, we actually have a copy here at the show. It'll be shipping to Kickstarter people in September and everyone else in October. Oh, cool. okay. And then Yomi, that those 10 next characters are in development right now, but won't be able to balance them or get all the art for another year. So next year, there'll be 20, the same 20 in all all three games. But that gives you a good indication of you, you've got 20 characters, each with three different powers, and playing them against each different other character yeah. gives you a pretty wide <laughs> array of variation yeah, for a game you can carry in your pocket, <laughs> yeah. which is amazing. There's 210 <laughs> matchups uh, in this tiny right. little, little deck. 
Uh, you mentioned Fantasy Strike. That's actually the name of the IP about the world. Oh, okay. That, that yeah, I just saw that on the, the uh, game mat over here. Are set in. And I do have a fourth game, a much, much bigger game than all these other ones. It's a customizable game. So you could think of Magic the Gathering, but not collectible like Magic the Gathering. So it's not about rares or random packs. You know exactly what you get, but still with a customizable aspect. I might call that one Fantasy Strike. I'm kind of, I don't know what to call that so one. So that I'm will going, be your next project that you're working on? That, yeah. Well, the next release will be the, the, the Yomi characters, the, the, ten, the ten new ones. Okay, yep, right. And then after that, the next one will be uh, this... I don't know what the name is. Maybe, maybe Fantasy Strike. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, where can our listeners find your stuff, David? So you can buy the physical versions of these games we've, we've talked about at SerlinGames.com. That's you know, my last name, Serlin. SerlinGames.com. That's S-I-R-L-I-N. Yep. And my blog is Serlin.net. Uh, but we also have online versions of these games that are, that are free to play at FantasyStrike.com. Very cool. Yeah, I saw that. You can download them and print them off and give it a test play at home. Uh, actually, when I when I say online, I mean like on your computer against each other, di- oh, okay. di- digital oh, versions. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, no. yeah. Digital versions at, at fantasystrike.com. Very cool. Okay. Now, there is also that, you're yeah, talking that, about the, the print and play. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that's a, that one's at serlingames.com. But the okay. Fantasy Strike site is like, a, like an online game server to play against each other. Check that out as well. Yeah, we, we've been building that up over time, and in, in October, I think, we have a lot of upgrades to the user interface and graphics and so on to, to make it even better production values. So, everyone, come back in October if you it, <laughs> if you tried it and left us for some reason. Fantastic. All right, David. Well, one last question. We always like to ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bash Show. Yeah. What pisses you off, man? <laughs> what pisses me off? Uh, there's so many things that piss me off, but I think a bunch of the things that piss me off are kind of all in the same category. There's kind of you know a common theme that runs throughout them, and, and it has to do with things that are kind of like against what I think is the spirit of competition. Okay, so I'll just give you an example. Let's say that you're really good at Yomi, or, or you want to be really good at it. You heard about it, maybe. I want you. To, I want you to be able to get that character deck. I, I, I want to make it as easy as possible for you to just buy that deck and play it. And so the opposite of that would be if I put like a barrier between the player and the deck, which is what this randomness of rares and card packs is in Magic. What that's doing is it's making the company more money. I understand that. It's like a virtual slot machine, but it's putting this extra step. It's like saying we, we want to make it even harder and even more expensive for, for the players to get the deck they want. You know? Right. It. And, yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, at some point that barrier will make you say, you know what, screw it, I'll try another game. Yeah, so that annoyance of mine, it, it do, I know it leads me to make less money because I sell a Yomi deck for what ends up being $10 instead of a Magic deck for $300 once you go through all that. But um, I, I just can't bear to put any barriers between players and their characters. So uh, I'll give you one more Definitely. example of that. Uh Something that makes me mad about the the game League of Legends is <laughs> same thing. It's like let's say there's a character you want to play. I really feel like you should be able to pay the company and just have the character and start playing it. But for some reason, you can only get this like weak gimped version of the character because you have to grind for many many hours to get the runes and masteries and, and all that to to get a tournament strength character. Like you're not even allowed to pay them and just get like they, they won't take your money you know and the grind is so long it's actually longer than uh, if you leveled up a character all the way 
from level one to max in World of Warcraft. It takes actually wow. that long to get. Yeah, so can you imagine if you, if you wanted to play chess and I said, well, after you play 100 hours or something, like, you can have the bishops. The queen so, will yeah. be really good then. Right, yeah, and, and you start playing Street Fighter. We'll give you a Ryu with, like, a fireball that it only goes, like, half screen, but it, if you keep playing, it'll go farther and farther. Like, I don't get it. It's like, that's not what competition is about. It should be about a fair playing field that everybody gets to jump onto at the same time, be on the same level. So I, I try to express that in my games, and when I see other games do it differently, well, normally I wouldn't care too much because, you know, everybody can go do their own thing. But I do care when those other games become so big they overshadow everything else because I, I feel like people have voted wrong with their dollars somewhere along the way. <laughs> Absolutely. All righty, sir. Well, I really appreciate your time and uh, your thoughtfulness about gaming. It's a pleasure oh, to read your blog. Thank you. And uh, I enjoy playing your games, and I hope that our listeners will give them a shot. Okay, thanks. And, and I'm sorry if you love and play League of Legends. <laughs> <laughs> or Magic. This is Steve once again at PAX 2012. I am here with Damien from Disney Interactive at Junction Point. How you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me talking about Epic Mickey 2. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you got a chance to come and see this game. All of the people here at PAX are getting a chance to play it early and see some of the really cool ideas we have. I'm an Xbox guy by nature, but uh, I'm enjoying the movement that I'm seeing here with the PlayStation Move controllers. Yeah, the PlayStation Move controller, if you, the, the first game was on the Wii, so it, it made a perfect fit for the Move controller. The pointing and the, uh, the, the targeting is very similar to the Wii. It is a little bit different. I mean, each, each system is unique, and we played to the strengths of each system. But if you if played it on the Wii and you have a PlayStation 3 and you want to try it out on that system, you can jump right in and, and within a, a short amount of time get a good feel for how the game plays. Are you going to release a... Uh paintbrush controller for the PlayStation as well. I know that was a big bonus package for the Wii that a lot of people like. As far as I know, I, I don't know anything about that. I do okay. know that they have stuff for the Wii again, but I, I personally haven't heard. I do know though when you're playing with the Move controller, though, the light will be blue when you're shooting paint and green when you're shooting thinner, <laughs> which is a lot of fun and blue for Oswald. Cool, um, okay. So you sort of have that magical in-your-hand sensation though. So. so tell me a little bit about the story. Now in this one is Power of Two. So it's a game that includes both Mickey and Oswald. What's the story? Well, Mickey was the hero at, at the end of the previous game, and he saved Wasteland, um, and he helped his brother to save Wasteland. And so he went home back to the, the cartoon world. Well, something's happened in Wasteland. There's been some earth-changing events, and the Mad Doctor has shown up, and he said, Hey, guys, I've seen the error of my ways. I'm going to come in and help you. And Oswald... He was redeemed throughout the first game, and so he understands what it's like to, to want to, to get back in the good graces of people. So he believes the Mad Doctor. But Hortensia and Gus, the, the gremlin, they're not so sure if he's if he's really on the up and up. So they're calling their, their buddy, their pal, the, the hero, Mickey Mouse. Okay. So in this first level of the game, Mickey has just been called uh, through his television by Gus 
And so Mickey needs to go and help Wasteland, but he's missing the brush, the, the iconic power that he had throughout the first game. So we wanted to give the player a, a, a chance to play through some of the areas they've only seen in the movies before, through Mickey's house, through Yensit's lab. And on the way, we're going to teach them how to play and let them mess with the power of the brush and see how strong and powerful it really can be. Cool. It has drop-in, drop-out co-op throughout the game where if my daughter is not very good at the game, then AI Oswald can take over and help through those sections, and then she can hop right back in in any section and, and play around and have fun. And then we have all these co-op moves that allow me and her, or any players, to work together and um, do better together than we would just by So themselves. you can play through the whole story with Oswald and me? And no matter what, once you get out of Yensit's lab, tutorial level, uh, Oswald is with you the whole game. Oh, nice. And he's there as an AI um, helper or as your co-op partner if someone jumps in. And it's, like I said, it's drop-in, drop-out co-op. So at any point in time, just pop in or pop out. It's great. Is it kind of full integration to where the second player can do everything? Oswald has his own unique moveset. He, okay. he doesn't have the paintbrush, so he doesn't have the power of paint or thinner. However, um, he does have his remote control, which gives him the power of electricity. So while Mickey can paint and thin things out of existence, Oswald can use his electricity to power up devices or to reprogram um, switches or enemies and bring them to be So you can kind of solve puzzles in a different way. Right, exactly. And so using the powers of each of them, you're going to be able to do more than just what one of them can do. That's what we call it the power of two. Epic Mickey 2, the power of two. Got it, okay. So we really are driving home that co-op and, and teamwork aspect. I mean, they're brothers and their brothers work together and they're, they're great friends. So. <laughs> So a question, I know with the first game that one of the complaints about it was the, the movement of the camera. Mm -hmm. Do you feel with the new setup here with like the move oh. controller that you've got that addressed now? For sure, well, I know that I talked with the programmer that worked on it, I, I know him, and he's done a ton of work in making sure the camera is, is much better. Throughout the core path, you don't really need to touch the camera on the move and on the PlayStation 3 regular controller or the Xbox 360, you have total control of the camera at all times with your analog stick. So if you're familiar with third-person action games, it's going to feel right at home. But throughout the game, we do smart camera hints and smart camera system to make sure that you, we're trying to hint you towards where you want to go. Okay, but you're not going to have a situation where you need to jump somewhere and you can't quite see Oh, the no, you have, okay. like, like you see, you always have control of the camera. There's very, very few points. I'm talking like less than a handful of points in the game where we have a cinematic camera that you can't adjust. Okay. And then you're in a completely safe environment. But throughout the rest of the game, at any point in time, I'm going to be able to snap the camera, move the camera, adjust the camera manually. Um, even within our hint system, it's going to be encouraging and helping you so you know where to go at any point in time. It's great. I love it. I Playing with it now, it's just, it makes perfect sense. So. Okay. And it makes sense being as it's such a cinematic property. Oh, the, yes, the, yes. The birth of Mickey Mouse is on film, and so to have control of a, a camera feature makes a lot of sense in the yes. game world. And on top of that, from I'm a level designer, and from the level design point of view, from the very beginning of the game, we went through with an eye for the camera. You know, making sure that as long as the player is not running up into a, a, a wall and spinning the camera on their head, I can't do anything about that. Right. But throughout the main path of the game and throughout the main experiences, it's perfect for the camera. We've worked really hard at that. And you can even see that in this first level. This is one of the levels I helped design, uh, the tutorial level through Yensit's lab. You're going to be able to see that the camera has a lot more space to maneuver and you definitely can, you feel safe as you're messing around with it. So. 
Very cool. Well, thanks for spending some time with me. I enjoyed playing the game. Damien, we have one last question. We ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. What pisses you off, man? Honestly, uh, I'm a pretty go happy-go-lucky guy. I have a wife and three beautiful daughters, and I'm just a lucky guy, so I'm pretty happy most of the time. <laughs> I'll let you off on this one. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time, and uh, best of luck with Epic Mickey 2, Power of 2. Thank you.
This place is haunted. You're listening to the Bone Bat Show. Um, we weren't given a tagline, so rock <laughs> on with your balls out on your head. <laughs> that is going to work just fine. What George. a coincidence, because that is our tagline. <laughs> I don't know how you knew that. That's kind of weird. You guys are like psychic or something. <laughs> it's amazing. All right, and we're back. Thanks again to Jeff and Pete from This Place is Haunted. Jeff's solo work can be found at facebook.com slash G-B-A-R-O-N-E music page. Check out his solo stuff as well. A lot of cool music coming out of the This Place is Haunted camp. And I hope that you uh, swing by and check some of it out at their site. You're kind of a potty mouth. You know <laughs> Not any worse than you. In the meantime, uh, we also have uh, heard a couple more interviews, the uh, Epic Mickey 2 interview and the interview with David Serlin, and then the tune, The Disney Suite, which is from the EP, You Have Chosen Poorly, from This Place is Haunted. So I hope you dug that as well. I thought it tied in nicely with the Epic Mickey 2 interview. So very cool stuff. I think it did. Nice time. So multimedia triage. Multimedia triage. What are you into these days, Steve? What? I've actually... No, wait, this whole PAX thing really is multimedia triage. It's like a whole episode of media. So it's yeah. kind of light on, on this. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna keep this brief. Uh, I have gone to the movies a couple of times in the last few weeks. Uh, I did see The Campaign featuring Will Ferrell and Zach Kalfanakis. A very funny film. It kind of like a lot of comedies. The first two-thirds of it were hilarious, and then it kind of fell off as it got a little bit messagey in the third act. But uh, definitely got yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, it was, it was kind of talking about politics, and so it had a few barbs in it. But there are some scenes that you will be falling out of your chair, holding your stomach, laughing. So it's definitely worth seeing, especially on video. Check out the campaign. Then we also saw the new film uh, Lawless, which really? has a uh, Tom Hardy in it, who played Bane in the Batman, the recent Batman film. Uh, also had uh, Shia LaBeouf was in it, and. Uh, couple other actors you'd recognize if you saw them uh the interesting thing about it was the script and the music both done by nick cave didn't he write another movie too uh i didn't know that this no, film i'm not is, sure i a, could be having an acid flashback but i thought he did it's kind of about a family of moonshine runners bootleggers you know that are kind of uh, back in the prohibition times and they're having a run-in with a corrupt law enforcement officer who's played by Guy Pierce. It is a good film, very well acted, riveting, but I, I was trying to figure out what about it, like, didn't make it great. It was very good, but it wasn't great. Julie kind of felt that the story, it was sort of linear, because, okay, here you have these good old boys, and they're having troubles with the law because they're running moonshine, 
but they don't really kill Wait, this, this was Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, but back in the 20s instead of in the <laughs> 70s. Anyway, the interesting thing about it, though, was that it was just, there wasn't any twist to it. It was just like, okay, these guys are going to go head-to-head from A until B, the end. And so I think that that was maybe why it didn't elevate to being a truly great film, but it was really enjoyable, definitely worth checking out. Again, on video, I don't know if I'd pay the full price to go see it in the theater, but a very pretty film. It's got some boobs. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I know you like that. Appreciate that sort of thing. I do. But uh, yeah, not a brilliant film. It, it fell somewhat short of being truly great. So take that for what you will. The other things I've been occupying myself with, the Jonathan Mayberry book, The Dragon Factory. It's the second in the Joe Ledger series. Uh, not quite as good as Patient Zero. I'm enjoying it, but the plot is too convoluted. And I'm kind of feeling like, you know, let's just get this thing over with. I've been reading 400 pages, and it needs to move a little more briskly. So not quite as good as Patient Zero, but uh, I will be reading the third in the series. So definitely good enough to stick with. Finally, Breaking Bad, the season finale just happened. Yeah. The last three or four episodes have been just mind-blowing. So (laughs) Every one of those episodes. I don't know what they're going to do for these final eight episodes in 2013, but... Wow. And the very end of the episode when the big realization hit, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want to wait a year to see this. I want to see it now. I know. That's bogus. They're making us wait like that. I love, though, the way that Breaking Bad, they tie everything up in an equal ball. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And then at the last moment of the episode, they yank the string and unravel the whole thing. Oh, everything's going to be okay, except for Walter White is totally evil. <laughs> well, yeah. He has gone through quite a character. Yeah, I mean, he, he has reached the end point of where he is truly a bad guy now. He may have always just been a bad guy. He you know, I was, place the bad I was reading an interview with Vince Gilligan, and that's what he said, that he thought that right now it, Walter White is truly who he is, and that... He was always never brave enough to be who he wanted to be until this journey he's gone through. And that character, that person was always inside of him. That's that, yeah. So, there you go. That's what I've been doing. How about you? Well, I'll just talk about one thing. I saw Moonrise Kingdom, the movie. Yeah? Just see it. It is a brilliant movie. You know what? It's not a brilliant movie. It's a perfect movie. It is so good, you will laugh. It is a touching, coming-of-age story, but it's so well shot. The camera work is great, the script is great, acting is great. Bill Murray playing Bill Murray is great. The whole thing. Just watch it. That's all I need to say. Cool. Yeah, it's a movie, you know, I really enjoyed Rushmore. Some of his stuff I haven't liked as much. I didn't like that Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Wasn't yeah, that big... was that was kind of unusual. That was kind of a trend. Yeah, that just fell apart the last half of it. You were just kind of sitting there going, what the fuck? Kind of looking at the watch. And Royal Tenenbaums, I could take or leave. But Rushmore, I thought, was brilliant. So I do generally enjoy his work. And I've heard nothing but good stuff about that film. So Moonrise Kingdom, I'm sure I'll be seeing it. Yeah, Fabulous Mr. Fox. Great. Yeah, I didn't see that one. Really? Oh, that's pretty funny. 
That's it. That's all I'm going to talk about. We're talking about packs for like 69 hours Okay, well, uh, let's get back to it then. Uh, both of us, we were kind of chatting about uh, independent games, and we wanted to pick a couple of independent picks to mention to you to keep an eye out for. So uh, why don't we do that? Sure. <laughs> you know, the very first independent game that I wanted to talk about is not an independent game. So I'm just going to give a nod to the PlayStation game, Hell Yeah. <laughs> You're a bunny in hell. And I, as far as I can tell, the object is to destroy and kill everything. There's poop monsters, there's blood by the swimming pool hole. It's an absolute mess, and it's animated. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, but anyway. First on my list is Boot Snake Games Containment, which is a zombie puzzler. Picture Bejeweled, one of those match-up-the-colors-type Tetris grandchildren. Except this is the zombies. But instead of getting things in a row, you're supposed to put all the same color around the perimeter in order to eliminate what's inside. So you, so you need to surround the zombies, the zombies with right. all armies. Surround the zombies with all thugs. And as the, the zombies come down, if, if you take too long, they'll infect other squares. You just, you really gotta see it. You'll understand it within a minute of, of looking at it. It's well done. It's a fun game. After playing it for a while, Steve said, all right, come on, let's go to the next thing. And I said, yeah, you can do that. I'm going to do this for a while more. <laughs> it's coming out, or it is out. You get it on Steam for the PC, the Mac. I think also for the iOS, for the little iDevice. Uh, retail price is 5 bucks, but I think it's on sale on Steam right now for like 3 bucks. Definitely worth it. Uh, next item, Guacamole. Very, very Mexican game. Mexican art, Mexican theme, characters are Mexican. The setting is in, wait for it, Mexico. And of course, the studio is Canadian. Uh, Drinkbox Studios, <laughs> they made this game. And it's sort of a brawler, but it's got a twist to it where there are things happening in the world of the living and the world of the dead. It's, you know, got that Canadian. Yeah, so you can, you can kind of play in two different worlds, which I thought was cool. Yeah, so you're, you're flipping back and forth between dimensions, the land of the dead and the land of the living to platform and solve puzzles and beat things up. And you're a luchador. So you got the Mexican wrestling mask on and you can if you turn into a chicken. So what more do you need? And it's got co-op play, which is pretty cool. That two people can actually play together, completely fighting monsters, jumping, overcoming obstacles. Really cool. Yeah. And finally, uh, Air Mech can be found on carbongames.com. It's available for the PC, and it's available, interestingly enough, on Chrome, which is a browser that I run on my PC. Yeah, absolutely free. No, it's the beta right now, so I think the beta is free. Yes. Is the whole thing free? Yeah, you download it, and I was playing it this afternoon for free, so. Yeah, well, I thought we were still playing the beta. Okay, it's absolutely free. But it's the beta. Buy, you could be right. Like, but... pay money for power-ups. Yeah, anyway, uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. You're a mech, a big fighty robot, you turn into a plane, pick stuff up, drop it down. It's real-time strategy games. Your bases are generating units, and you're trying to take over the other guy's base. It's very fast-paced. Check it out. Air Mech on Carbon Games. What are you into? Now, I had uh, another Chrome game that I stumbled across. I thought was You thought was a little too cute. But when I sat down and actually played it, I did enjoy it a lot. It's called Dinosaurs Go Home from Firehose Games. 
and uh, a very cool little Plants vs. Zombies-esque tower defense game. It's also free, the beta on Chrome. And uh, try it out for yourself. And they had, I thought, one of the best-looking T-shirts of the entire convention. I had to buy a shirt from them because I thought it was so cool. It's a great, it's a blue shirt with a great big T-Rex on it whose arms are a little too short to reach a barbecue. And the, the whole point of the game is that you are a squirrel defending your barbecue from these dinosaurs that come. And you get to purchase different uh, cards which give you weapons to fire at the dinosaurs as they come. And the turrets that you get actually have different geometric shapes like a Tetris sort of thing. So there's a couple of different twists to this game that I really enjoyed as far as tower defenses. And I, I've always liked that genre, so it's definitely one to check out. You can download Dinos Go Home at the Chrome Store or at play.gohomedinosaurs.com. The second game that I wanted to mention is Bust and Rush from Tectonic Games. We owe them a big apology. We actually sat down with Tectonic and did an interview, and somehow the interview was lost. Oh, no. Yeah, totally sucked. Oh, I was sucks. downloading the interviews today, and I'm like, we did another interview here. But we can definitely talk to, about the game, and it is a game that I enjoyed. I had got a sample of it before the con, and uh, what it is is it's kind of similar to like a cannonball, where you're running, but instead of running sideways as long as you can, you're running forward. So it's a 3D runner. Like I think a Bit Trip Runner is another game that's a lot like that. And uh, yeah. you run through these columns, and you're this big hulking kind of a beast. And you smash through these barricades and obstacles as you try to rack up points. And there are pretty cool powers up. You can hit these uh, things that will completely turn the map on its head. So you're running on the... ...ceiling instead of the floor. And there's some great big jumps you have to do. And it's the kind of game where you just cannot play one round of it. You sit there and you're like, oh, one more round, one more round. And so it's very cool stuff. And the demo can be downloaded again for free at tectonicgames.com slash bustandrush. So check that out there. Finally, uh, we stopped by Zombie Studios booth and played a little game called Blacklight Retribution, which yeah. is kind of a standard shooter in some ways. I mean, you've seen this sort of thing before, but it does it in a very crisp, clean style that I thought was kind of fun. It feels good to jump into it. You're running around, you're immediately shooting other people. One of the big things that it does have is customizability to like the nth degree. Now by the end of PAX, the term customizable had almost become a dirty word for us because everybody was pimping that so hard. But in this case, you know, it, it is again, another free game that you can download and you can pay small amounts of money to upgrade different items. I think he was telling us like a gun barrel. There's 20 different gun barrels. There's all these different ways you can customize your weapons, your logos, your armor. And if you do enjoy this particular iteration of a shooter, that's definitely something that's probably worthwhile for you. But I enjoy just sitting down and shooting things with this game. It's nice and crisp and smooth, very smooth scrolling. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I liked it. You can find that game at blacklight.perfectworld.com. Finally, right. uh, one game that's not out yet. So those were all free games that you can actually play right after you listen to this podcast. Another one that we saw a sample of that you can't play is a game called Drunken Robot Pornography. 
from Dejoban Games. It's uh, D-E-J-O-B-A-A-N dot com slash drunken. It's not going to be out till the end of the year, but you're in a arena fighting wave after wave of giant robots. It's got big robots, big guns, lots of shooting, and to power up, you jump around drinking cocktails. What more do you want from a game? Really, I can't think of anything. <laughs> so there you go. Those are our indie picks. One final note on the subject. I actually sat down with the creators of the game Gordon Pick, Containment from Bootsnake Games, and uh, let's take a listen to that interview now. Once again, Steve here at PAX 2012, and uh, I'm visiting right now with Drew from Bootsnake Games about his game, Containment. How you doing, man? Doing great. How you doing? Very well. I'm enjoying the con so far and seeing a lot of cool games. And one of the things that's important to the Bone Bat Show is independent game developers, independent musicians, all that good stuff. And uh, to see a game like Containment, you know, is getting a lot of exposure right now, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's been really great for us, too. I mean, uh, we're huge supporters of the indie scene in general, being indie, and then just loving everything that is you know out there that's indie. And PAX, in general, has been a great thing for us. And then we're in the PAX 10 this year, which you know is a showcase of 10 great indie games, and that's just been phenomenal for us. That's great. Now, I'm a big fan of zombies. I like puzzle games, so there's a lot here for me. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what your game is? Uh, sure thing. So... The game kind of looks like Bejeweled. Uh, a lot of people look at it and say, oh, it's Zombie Bejeweled. And what we say is it looks like Zombie Bejeweled but plays like Zombie Go. So as opposed to lining up three matches in a row in Bejeweled, you're swapping uh, guys around in the world trying to surround zombies with the same type of people. So you'll have a zombie and you surround him with four police officers and the police officers will kill the zombie. The trick is the zombies are going to fight back too. So as you're making moves, the zombies will start to spread out around the map and take over more and more of the area. And if it ever gets to be too big that you can't surround them all, then you lose. And I love the little animations that are going on while you're playing. I mean, even on the side, you'll see like a body getting mauled by zombies or there's just a lot of kind of cool attention to detail. Yeah, I, we, we spent a majority of our time, honestly, making the, the world come alive and really making it the scene of a great B-movie sort of zombie flick. The town's called Franklin, and you're trying to survive as Franklin's being taken over. And as you go through the city, we actually pan the camera from block to block, and we tell a story in-world, and as you're going through, you'll see zombies eating at, like, picnic tables, and we have a, a zombie picnic scene, and then we call out directly to you, and, you know, we just tried to really, like, imbue the whole game with just a sense of character that you normally never, ever see in a puzzle game. It was, it's, it was a really, really big goal for us. So which came first, like, the puzzle game or the zombie vibe? Uh, as puzzle. a designer. Yeah, it was actually a, the puzzle came first. One of our founders, he's no longer, he left recently, uh, he came up with the idea of, hey, what if we try to surround mechanic? So I actually had a, a match three engine lying around because I made a match three game for the heck of it one night. And so we took that engine, swapped it out, and it was just pastel circles surrounding things. And then we were like, oh, well, well they'll start, you know, growing out and, and attacking each other. And that mechanic was like, oh, you know, I think zombies have worked there really well. And so, and then we actually took the theme and ran with it in a very serious way. A lot of games, uh, especially casual games, they, they match a theme to the game, but it's kind of loosely there. Mm -hmm. But we were really, really keen on making sure the theme was throughout the entire game. So nothing in the game, for the most part, I mean, it's still a game. But we tried to keep every element of the game as part of the theme. You know, like cars will come careening in and, and smash into the and kill a bunch of zombies on the thing. And it's an in-world thing that happened, you know, right. and, as opposed to just some 
random off-screen thing. So like we tried to keep the theme and the game and everything really meshed together in a tight way. And it was a lot of hard work, but we really think it paid off. Were there any particular like zombie films or books that you were found really inspirational? I mean, the original Romero stuff actually shows up a lot. It, just because, I mean, it's Romero. And then um, <laughs> on top of that, uh, Zombieland was a big focus because yeah. uh, it's kind of a, in Shaun of the Dead because they're the goofy zombie thing. Right. Like, we're, we're serious, but kind of not serious. Yeah. I mean, we have zombie wizards in our game <laughs> because the zombies invasion happens at a Ren fair. So, of course, zombie <laughs> wizards happen. And so, like, Zombieland, we actually, the, the text in World was definitely directly inspired from Zombieland mm-hmm. in some way. Well, and I liked that text, which is a departure from a lot of puzzle games, is there is that narrative. And so you finish a level, and you get a little narrative. There's a little bit of story. It moves you along. It gives you an idea of the flavor of the story you're trying to tell, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, we definitely agree. We brought in the best writer we know to write it. I mean, we treated it as if the narrative was important. We wish we had done more with it. I mean, we, we feel like there's more room for a narrative to be in puzzle games and to really bring more and more to it. But... Having the narrative in there is one of the most talked about features in our game, if not the most talked about. And just the fact that we tell a story at all in a puzzle game is definitely, there's like two others that do it. So. <laughs> Very cool. And well, and like I was mentioning to you, one of the other great things is the fact that this is a game we can discuss that's actually out now that our listeners can pick up. Yeah, absolutely. It's available now on iPad uh, for, I think, $2. It might be $3. I'm sorry, I don't remember off the top of my head. (laughs) And then on Steam, it's normally $5, and we have a sale for $3 going on for the next week. and uh, you know, but that's both PC and Mac, right? PC and Mac, and then we're trying to come out on more platforms in the future. We're looking at Android very seriously. We have a build for it, and we're trying to get it on phones. It's just it's it's, it's harder to control on phones. Yeah, especially when you've got like the big fat fingers like I do. You right. know, yeah. manipulating the small zombies. I can barely type. So <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm six five two seventy. So I understand the plight. So we're, if I can play it, then we'll feel good about shipping it. You know, absolutely. Right. All right, Drew. Well, uh, congratulations again on being selected for Pax Ten. What website can my listeners go to to find out more? Uh, you can find us at containmentgame.com or at bootsnakegames.com. And uh, thanks so much for having me on. It's really great to be on a podcast for a local Seattleite. Absolutely. One last question for you. We always ask all our guests on the Bone Bat Show. Drew, what pisses you off? Oh, I don't know if I can say any of that. That's where. Get... We're <laughs> Oh, what pisses me off? Uggs. <laughs> Ugg boots? Yeah, Ugg boots. We're going to you know, go with that. <laughs> there you go. All right, thank you very much, Drew. I really appreciate your time. All right, thanks, man.
once again. This is Steve. And this is Gord. At PAX 2012, and I'm here at this point with Scott from Red 5 Studios. How you doing, man? Pretty good. How about yourself? Very well. Now, we talked to you a couple of years ago about the game Firefall, which is getting really close now. I've been on the demo for a while, really been enjoying it. Gord hasn't been, but he's uh, familiar with the game, obviously. And I just saw the email about the Founders packages, and things are getting to the point now where our listeners can really start anticipating this game. Yeah, we're, we're really excited about uh, turning on our store. I mean, we've been working on this game for a very long time, and uh, people in the beta have actually been clamoring to uh, give us money. I mean, they love the game, and so now you can. And if you do want to give us money, you can buy uh, three different versions of the uh, Founders Pack, which offer different levels of uh, fun. The Commander level is our most popular selling level, and it comes with the best asset, which is the LGV, which is a kick-ass light ground vehicle that you can only get through purchasing the uh, Commander Pack. So I encourage you guys to get them while you can. One of the things that always pisses me off is when I log into a new account somewhere and i got to be Bonehand1 or The Bonehand or Bonehand47. This way you can lock up your gamer tag right away. Not only can you lock up your gamer tag, but you can also reserve your army name. And your army is going to be a big identification for you in the future because you know PvP is a large portion of the game and uh, being able to compete with your army tag is something that is very valuable to our players. So show us the new stuff, Scott. All right, so I'll start with uh, the progression changes. So previously, we were playing on a level-based system where you'd go out, collect experience, level up, and each time you got a level, you'd gain access to new technologies. Now, we had a couple of problems with this. One is that when you get higher and higher and higher levels, it would take you longer and longer and longer to get your next reward. And so it it was almost like a a drought of fun for players at high levels. A second problem with our level system was that we had too much difference in power levels. So a level 15 guy versus a a level 8 guy, there was too much disparity in power. And our matchmaking really kind of pointed that out to us. We got a lot of feedback about how messed up our matchmaking was. Um, That's so, why I got my ass kicked in multiplayer. It's not because I suck. No, I, I think just, the on sucking the might have been. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I was looking at how do we give players more rewards. And we were starting to think about putting more and more items in between each level. And then it dawned on us, like, well, what is the level then? Why do we need it? So we chucked it, got rid of it, and now we have a tier-based system to where we've really collapsed the vertical power within a tier, but we've added a lot of horizontal options. So here I'm using the Battleframe Garage. This is where I can modify my assets on my character, but I can also unlock items from my technology tree. So I'll go ahead and show you the Assault tech trees. There's five different tech trees, right? Well, there's five different frames, and each frame has five tiers of battle frames that you can get. In addition to that, you'll notice that there's lots of variety in the choices of how you choose to tech up your battle frames. So here I'll use the Assault Tier 1 as an example. There's a lot of choice now that you didn't have before in Firefall. So when you go out and collect experience, you can spend it on unlocking certifications. And it's your choice over how you progress through this tech tree. So your first choice is right out of the gate, which is an improvement over our old leveling system, is, well, I could get two different abilities or I can make myself move faster, right? And the different types of abilities are interesting as well. On the top part of the tree, we have a lot more items that are more damage focused. On the bottom part of the tree, those are more mobility focused. So depending on how you wanted to play your battle frame, you can really hone it in and tune it for how you want to play. Lots of player choice. I love all the different brands and stuff. That's really fun. Yeah, and also the different uh, manufacturers yeah, can also Accord, do... Yeah, Accord, Kizitron, Omnidyne. Yeah, and those will actually provide uh, additional benefits. So let's say you wanted to build a battle frame for Capture the Flag. Maybe Omnidyne is more of a movement-focused manufacturer, so you would choose them to build your battle frames. Very cool. 
And so once you've unlocked these, these assets, you can add them to your Battlefront using the Battlefront Garage. Now one of the other improvements that we've made to the game to increase the strategy choices that players had is we adopted a constraint system. So like similar to mech style games, each item that you put into your battle frame has constraints that it consumes. We have three different types of constraints, CPU, power, and mass. And so just because you've unlocked all the best tech doesn't mean you can use it all at the same time. So there's lots of strategy about how you load out your battle frames. Cool. So when I unlock a tech in tier one, I can actually create multiple battle frames using the same unlock tech as long as I use the same base tier and uh, battle frame type. And so what that encourages players to do is to really go out and fine-tune battle frames like this is my speed assault, this is my damage assault, and you can really kind of hone how you uh, adjust your gear to uh, play the way that you want to play. Fantastic. And then once you've unlocked Tier 1, it actually progresses up to Tier 2, and those same choices are still valid. And so you can see that there's a lot of variety at the top end of uh, the, the battle frames in Firefall. So that will create really interesting experiences for our players because now you have to really gauge, like, what is the guy doing and what do I need to do to, to be successful against him? Excellent. So that's our uh, changes to progression, but I want to talk about the changes that we've made to some of our uh, battle frames. The biggest change that we've made is that we got rid of the medic. Uh, previously, we uh, received a lot of feedback from our community that, uh, you know, following another player around with a heel beam was felt like you were a, a kind of a second wheel to however this player was going to perform. That was not really our intentions for how we wanted people to play. We want you to be an individual and be successful on your own without having to have the support of another player. So we got rid of the healing gun completely and, and replaced it with this new gun, which is a damage-focused gun. We also gave the, the biotech, this is our replacement for the medic, a grenade launcher. No longer can the biotech self-heal. The only way that you can heal yourself now is by shooting an enemy. So here you can see my pickpockets <laughs> going up. That's cool. And it's much more skill-based now. In addition, previously, you know, I had the, my healing gun or I uh, had healing abilities that were radio-based. And we've changed those slightly to be more skillful. So now, that's healing wave, which is a nice forward arc of healing wave, but I still have to aim it. It's no longer radio around me. Okay. And then my next ability, this is a lot of fun, is healing ball. And what this allows you to do is that you can shoot a heal, it will travel in the distance, and then you can detonate it when you want it to go off. Oh! One of the other abilities that we've also, this is awesome for thumping, is Poison Trail. So let me uh, put my thumper down. Now thumping is the way that you collect resources in Firefall, but it also, oh shit. <laughs> so I was not paying attention, I should have been paying attention. So now unfortunately I just lost that thumper because I would probably not be able to get back in time, but we'll see. Losing your thumper is somewhat painful in Firefall because you have to recraft that thumper. The good news is with the jetpack, you can get there pretty quick. Yeah, let's see if I can make it. I'm gonna cheat. Oh, glider, oh, nice. All the cool kids have these. And I made it back. Just in time. So I'm gonna use my poison trail, actually for my, my number one ability. What this will do is emanate kind of a poisonous gas behind my character, but your position is now important. So I can run around the thumper creating... Oh, you make a circle, okay. Yeah, and then cool. this will damage any enemies that go into it. So now, all of a sudden, the biotech is a much more viable battle frame for uh, soloing thumpers than it was before. I love that mode of death. That's cool. All right, so I'll go ahead and send this back and uh, talk about our next battle frame that has uh, undergone some significant changes, and that is the engineer. Now, previously, the engineer was laying down turrets, right? Yes. And what, what we discovered through that is that it actually made the engineer less mobile than we wanted him to play. Right? 
because you were really incentivized to build up your camp and stay there, and that was less fun than we wanted. Um, so we borrowed some uh, history from uh, tribes and decided to make the engineer much more uh, dynamic. Okay. So now the engineer still has turrets, but he's got a multiple deploy turret. So I can put up to three of these out at a time. Okay. And one of the other improvements that we've actually made to this ability is to create much more versatility for these turrets than you ever had before. So the player's intelligence now really matters about how you use these things. So I'll go down here and uh, once again, I'll use a thumper as my example. Okay. So what I like to do is find something vertical when I'm going to thumb, and then watch what happens when I deploy my turret there. So you can actually stick it to any oh, surface, oh, right and yeah. putting it up there makes it you know, a lot less vulnerable to ground attacks. So now I, I have the freedom to be smart about how I use my abilities in ways that I didn't before. In addition, his other ability is the uh, quick deploy turret, which is awesome for thumping. Like when a thresher is coming charging, I'll always throw one down and it blocks their attack. So it's a much more dynamic way to play this class. So that's our engineer. Uh, in addition, his, his primary weapon has changed. Before we had like these homing shots, and we've received a lot of negative feedback about that. And that's why we love our community, because they're not afraid to tell us what they think. And we actually listen to what they say. And so we introduced a new weapon, which is the Tesla weapon, which is very similar to like a, uh, a lightning gun. But the cool thing about this feature is, is when you shoot a target with it, it will start to ramp up damage. And the longer you're hitting that target, the, your damage stays higher. So nice. your skill is much more rewarded than it was before. Yeah, his alt fire is also a way that he can heal his own turrets, but you can also use it on enemies to drain their energy. Oh, cool. All right, so now I'll go over and show you our new Battlefront Garage. And this is where you can start to customize your character. So this is brand new for this PAX. Now, we are a free-to-play uh -huh. game. We do plan on monetizing the game through items, but we're absolutely adamant that we are not pay-to-win. So the types of items that we will sell you would be items that make your experience more enjoyable or more fun for others. You can buy things like experience boosts or different assets for your character. Some of the things that we have turned on right now are primarily things about your appearance, your head, your ornaments, eyewear, things like that. So that's how you uh, modify your character. Okay. Now let me go through manufacturing. And this is another one of our big changes. Now previously with the manufacturing, you'd go out on a mission, you'd kind of build up your experience and your, your resources, and then you'd come in and you'd pick up which items you wanted to have. Yeah, and so we've changed that a little bit. Now manufacturing is, is almost purely resource-based. So when you're in Tier 2 and you unlock a Battleframe certification, it adds information to the manufacturing terminal that enables you to now build a better gear. So here I've unlocked a bunch of uh, uh, Tier 2 nanoprints, and I can use different types of resources to build those items. When I unlocked the certification, it went ahead and gave me the white level item. So I had I was, had this ability to go ahead and socket it into my battle frame without having to do any manufacturing. But if you want to build better items, you're encouraged to go out and find the best resources and then craft those items. That does come at a cost, though, because better items have higher constraint costs which means that you, now you have to really start to pick and choose what you want to put on each battle frame, but that creates a lot more strategic options for our players. Currently, we have eight different types of resources in the game that range in quality from one to 999. Different resources have different properties. So here you can see that bismuth is high in conductivity and malleability, but low on density, reactivity, and resistance. 
Now, those stats are important when you're building specific types of gear because different stats are good for different things. So, are you saying that you can build each item different ways with different resources, or you need Christite for this, you need Bismuth for that? Well, for this example right here, I, I have the choice of using any Christite hybrid, so I can use any of these resources. Oh, cool. Cool. So there's lots of exploration the players will be able to, to do around the resource types, the qualities, and the types of items that they can build. Another thing that we've also changed about our resource system is qualities will ebb and flow. Like, if you see that really awesome purple node out there, you should probably get it while you can, because all the other players are going to find it and get it. And they can actually thump it out of existence, and that resource at that quality level will disappear for some period of time. Okay. And then the locations of the resources also ebb and flow across the world, so you're never sure exactly where those resources are going to be. So knowledge is power. You know, helping your friends find a good resources is something you should be doing. I like that. Hey, Gordon, you need to get in this game and pick up some bismuth. Grab my purple bismuth. I <laughs> <laughs> see your purple bismuth is bigger than mine. <laughs> okay, so now let me go into one of the other cool features that we're showing off, which is our uh, new spectator mode. We are uh, definitely heading in a eSports focus in the short term. We really want to make sure that uh, we uh, are building a game that satisfies the high Twitch skills of uh, eSports players. And so a lot of the changes that we've done with our progression and our uh, combat systems where eSports focus in mind. We really wanted to raise that skill ceiling up to a point where your Twitch actually does matter. It's not dumbed down. In addition, every single game in Firefall is recorded. And then we put all of those files up online so that anybody can watch these replays. But we, we were trying to be smart about how we did it. So what we do is we put those files up on the cloud. And when you're selecting replays here, it actually grabs it from the cloud so it's not affecting the server at all. So millions of people can watch matches as they're occurring without impacting the server. Now, if you're doing normal spectator mode, however, the, the matches are delayed by 30 seconds, so you can't you know, have, help your friends to cheat. Right, that makes sense. Uh, broadcaster mode, it does actually allow you to attach directly to the server so you can shoutcast live. The idea is we want as many people to see and watch Firefall as possible. One of the other things that we've also included into the client is we've integrated Twitch directly into the client, so now you can stream out to Twitch without oh, cool. having to run any secondary software. We're also planning on uh, having a major tournament starting in 2013 for a million dollars. We're going to do it over a series of events, but we're serious about esports. Nice. And so those are uh, the major new features for uh, Firefall. Very cool. Right so. Now that you've released the the founders packages are on sale. Yes, people can buy these now. So, what is the timeline as far as our listeners being able to play Firefall? Well, if you buy a uh, commanders pack, that gives you priority access to our beta, which means that you'll be in next. Nice. So, uh, I encourage you if you're not already in and you want to get in. I mean, it's a great value to buy one of these founder packs. I mean, you get a lot of uh, cool items, having fun with your friends. Oh, actually, I didn't show you some of the new items that we did produce. This is actually my favorite thing in the game right now. And it's an example of a, like kind of the types of items that we're going to build. So here, we've added uh, some pets. I mean, everything's better with pets, right? You see those a lot these days. So I got my little uh, Tiki Torch guy. All right. <laughs> All right, now I'm gonna go, uh, looks like there's some players down here. This is a social feature. So what you can do is throw down Tiki Torch which will cause anybody in the area to start dancing. It's like a little <laughs> private. And it's, it's all about just having fun, right? Yeah. Firefall, even though we are a shooter, I want players to have fun in any ways that they can imagine it. You know, So we'll put features in that might not make sense for a shooter, but they're fun. That's cool. I like that. 
All right, Scott. Well, as you may remember from our last interview, the question we always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bat Show, what pisses you off, man? Flat beer pisses me off. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, nice. And we haven't had that one before. So, yeah, very few things worse. Why bother when there's so much better beer out there? Stay away from the flat. Absolutely. All right. Well, once again, where can our listeners find Firefall? You can go to our uh, website, www.firefallthegame.com. Sign up for the beta, and I hope to see you online. Look for me, Cornboy. I certainly will. Thanks a lot, man. It was great to see you again. Nice talking to you, too. Once again, Steve. And this is Gord. At PAX 2012. And we're spending a few moments now with Kelly from Telltale Games. How you doing, sir? Doing good. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. So, longtime fan of Walking Dead. Caught up on the comics. Been watching the series. And while I have not yet played the Walking Dead game from Telltale, we are well familiar of the level of quality that Telltale has put together over the years. Big Monkey Island fans, Sam and Max fans. So it was really cool to see this game coming from your company. Tell our listeners a little bit about the game. Sure. So, um, you know, we, we definitely are really excited to work on the Walking Dead series. It's been a big passion of a lot of the developers. So the game itself, it doesn't follow the TV series too closely. We really wanted it to focus more towards the comic books universe. But instead of doing another rehash of Rick's story, which is awesome. I actually just read issue 100. Don't want to get into any spoilers. Oh, man. You guys Brutal. are in for a heartbreak. Brutal. Um, but we, you know, we definitely wanted to focus on sort of a new story, a different group of characters that you could fall in love with in this universe. And so basically we've got uh, Lee and Clementine. And they're sort of our two lead characters. So they meet each other in this post-apocalyptic world, and it's really about their relationship and how they bond, and then how they react with the people they meet on their journey to the East Coast. So very much story-driven. It's a very story-driven game, and we really focus a lot on the different choices you can make in dialogue to get different reactions out of your characters. So some characters may end up disliking you more than others based on the decisions that you make in the game. And you're leading the group, so it's up to you. Is that the case? Exactly, yeah. Lee is sort of the self-appointed leader, kind of appointed leader by the other people, but then sort of that sort of evolves as the story goes. But more or less, you're making the shot. You know, you're calling the shots. You're making the decisions for the group. Very cool. And I have to say that the uh, art style is very intriguing because it does bridge nicely between a photorealistic and a more comic booky style. Definitely. We, I know the, our artists really, really wanted to focus on a, on a really unique style for the game, and since we were such huge fans of the comic, 
we wanted to give it sort of a sketchy quality while maintaining that, like you said, that realistic look. So we didn't want to go too cartoony because it's a very serious game, it's a very serious universe, and we didn't want to breach that. But we did want to maintain a style that is very telltale and very easy you know, on the eyes. We wanted to make it look really cool. So currently there are three chapters out, correct? That's the third correct. one is just hit? The third one just launched this week on Tuesday, I believe, for PSN and on Wednesday for everything else. So PC, Mac, Xbox 360. And we actually just released episode two on iPads and iPhones. So And and so you, you can buy it a la carte episode by episode or you have a season pass as well, right? That's correct. We do have a season pass option for our uh, PC and Mac users as well as our PlayStation users. So that's that's a real option for our customers as well. So Xbox Live, you're one at a time for you. Episode by episode. Um, but, you know, we do a simultaneous launch uh, based on their release schedules. You know, Sony likes Tuesday, Microsoft likes uh, Wednesday. And so we always get them out on the same week, making sure that we can appease to all of our fans at the same time. Now, while the game is story-driven, any good zombie game, there's going to be some killing going on. What is the combat style of this game? Well, so the combat style is really interesting. What we wanted is to create an interactive experience. And so we, we give the player a, a style of control that allows them to sort of let the fight play out as, as they kind of see fit. So the combat um, also kind of varies itself a little bit as well. Sometimes you might, you might have a fist fight with one of your friends. You might have to bash a zombie's face into the hammer. Um, so, you know, we definitely wanted to vary that up and make it really fun and visceral. As you guys know, the Walking Dead universe is full of really awesome, grotesque violence, really heart-wrenching deaths, and, and so we definitely wanted to continue that trend. Um, so you will see a lot of that in this universe as well. Yeah, the idea of anybody can go at any time. Exactly. So, yeah. It has never the, been, yeah, more apparent. Don't get too attached. We'll right. leave it at that. You know, like anything could go. Model. Exactly. The, the George R. R. Martin approach. Don't get attached. So, yeah, we're really proud of that, too. We've, we've definitely, uh, we've had actually our, our uh, senior PR, uh, Job, had a, shed a couple of tears when he was playing through the game. And that's, that's not a stunt. I watched it happen. They weren't stunt tears? And they weren't stunt tears. He was legitimately crying. So and from somebody who's involved in the making of the game, that absolutely. actually really says something. That really does. You know, we got very, very close to the game, and sometimes we lose those fan eyes. You know, we have this, these developer goggles on. Yeah, after iterating over exactly. and over and over. And so when, when we get to see impact someone who's that close to the game, we know, like, all right, we've made a really cool, cool thing here. So we're really excited to get it out to our, to our fans and let them play it. Okay, what's the website that where our listeners can find this? So you can you can check us out on telltalegames.com. Uh, there's a Walking Dead link right on the front page, so check it out. Okay. One last question. We always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bad Show, Kelly, what pisses you off? What makes me mad? Oh, boy. I can only pick one? No. <laughs> I've got, um, this is digital. I've got all the tape in the world. We've got so many ones and zeros sitting here on YouTube. Just let it spin. Oh, you know what? What makes me mad? I'm just in such a good mood. It's hard to think of something right now. Oh, it's another happy person. Because it's PAX. Is Metroid Metal here at PAX? They're not here. I'm mad at that. Yeah. I love Metroid <laughs> Metal. They should be here. I'm angry. Oh, I have the same shirt. I love Metroid Metal. That, um, that is a bummer. Grant, you got to get back to PAX, man. Yeah, there's no Grant, we love you guys. We need those polyrhythmic Metroid remixes. Get them out here. Uh, put out some new work. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. I yeah. really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
right. So there was a whole bunch of content in that last bit, uh, of course. So much content. We had the interview with the Containment Games folks at uh, Bootsnake Games. We had This Place is Haunted's cover of the GTA 4 theme song, which is taken from Your Song Will Echo Through the Vast Ocean, the 2009 release. Then following that, we had an interview with Scott from Red 5 on all the new changes to Firefall. And uh, the interview with Kelly from Telltale Games about Walking Dead. So, again, two more great games. I have spent quite a bit of time recently with Firefall. It's a lot of fun. Very soon, everybody's going to be able to play it. And you want to get your Founders Pass so you have access to your login name, all that great stuff. So, check that out. The game is Firefall, one word. Finally, uh, Telltale Games has just released the third chapter of Walking Dead. And you can enjoy that now. So, dude. Dude. Filthy jokes. Oh, we're doing filthy jokes? Well, I, I have just a joke joke. Go ahead. Do a joke. All right. Well, I've got a filthy joke anyway. It's not a big, long one, but uh, we'll, we'll just go with this. So, this uh, guy, he's at the bar drinking all night long. At the end of the night, he finds himself with the last woman at the bar. She's a little older, but he's thinking to himself, you know, she looks pretty good for a maybe 55-year-old or so. You know, I don't know. Not too bad at all. And he started thinking about, you know, I bet she looked really good when she was younger. As a matter of fact, I bet she has a hot daughter. As they sit there, they start chatting, and he has a few more beers. The woman turns to him and says, hey, tell me, have you ever had a sportsman's double? The guy says, well, what's that? The woman says, it's a mother and daughter threesome. The guy thinks about it, and he starts to embrace the idea, and he keeps thinking about what the daughter might look like. So he says, well, you know, no, I haven't. So they decide to pay their tab, and he goes home with her. She says, as they get out of the car, tonight's your lucky night. They open the door. She walks in, turns on the hall light, and shouts, Mom, you still awake? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. See, that was, Give me a second. Yeah, the, the ex- expectations there, see? I got it, yeah. Yeah, I don't have a filthy joke. I could rap a limerick, but that's about it. All right, rap a limerick. Let's see what you got. I can rap. I can rap. Uh, here we go. Okay. Classic. I don't even need a beat. I'm going to freestyle this. Okay. Yeah. There once was a Greek from Nantucket. His dick was so long he could suck it. He said with a grin as he wiped off his chin, if my ear were a cunt, I would fuck it. Aw, shit. Goddamn. Get off your ass and jam. Yeah, shit. Goddamn. Get off your ass and jam. There once was a man from Iraq. He played violin with his cock. With massive erections, he'd render selections from Johann Sebastian Bach. Yeah, shit. Goddamn. Get off your ass and jam. Willa, 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 shit. Goddamn. Get off your ass and jam. There once was a fellow named Blair. He liked to jack off on the stair. When the banister broke, he doubled his stroke. He finished it off in midair. Oh! Is that great or what? That <laughs> wasn't bad at all. Yeah, I told you I could rap a limer. I rap three limerics. You kind of sound a little bit like Illbox. That's who that reminded me of. Shia! Yeah, that's a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> nice. Yeah, absolutely. I think Stevie D would appreciate that. Wow, I just pulled that out of my ass, too. Well done, sir. Well, I think that's that's the note to end this show on. Let's end it on that. Right there. Except for we have four more interviews. No! <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs>
Alright, I gotta say thank you to everybody who spent time with us this week at PAX. Uh, of course, I've gotta thank the PAX folks themselves for again extending a media pass. I'd like to thank the folks from 2K Games. I would like to thank everybody we interviewed, especially also David Serlin, who was kind enough to spend a little bit of time with us. And of course, This Place is Haunted. Jeff and Pete for spending some time with us, as well as letting us share the great music with our listeners. So thanks again. Our usual bullshit. show phone number is 425-296-6557. Or you can reach us via email to steve at bonehand.com. You can give us a call just like McPierce did. And thank you again to McPierce for calling in. Of course, we've got new content on bonehand.com every Sunday, including the heavy half hour on non-Bone Bat Weeks. You can find my stuff, such as it is, at MightyWombat.com. I occasionally Twitter at Mighty underscore Wombat. Is that even correct to say I occasionally Twitter? I don't think it is. And we have the Bone Bat Facebook page, where you should go because we occasionally post silly stuff, and today Steve posted a picture of a girl with big boots. I did do that. Yeah. I'm also on Twitter. You can find me there as Bonehand, or there is a Bonebat feed that you can also follow to keep up to date on the Bonebat doings. Uh, a couple of news items. Our next episode at the end of September is our five-year anniversary on the Bonebat show. Holy shit. <laughs> You're going to say our final episode. <laughs> what? Nope, not yet. But yeah, Howdy. we will have been doing this five years end of September, which is... Pretty goddamn cool that we stuck with it that long. So, wow! Uh, if you have anything so you'd happy. like to contribute, uh, please shoot it over to the email or voicemail line. We'd love to hear from you. Also, we've been nominated at the same time again for best local podcast at uh, best.king5.com. So please just swing by there and give us a vote. Currently, I think we're number nine out of all the podcasts in Washington, which is pretty cool. But uh, I think we could do a little better than that. So please swing by and vote for the Bone Bat Show. Yeah, that's cool. Our final tune this evening is the theme song from one of the most notorious Italian horror films of all time, Cannibal Holocaust, as covered by This Place is Haunted on their 2009 album, Your Song Will Echo Through the Vast Ocean. It's a beautiful tune from an absolutely disturbing film. I hope you enjoyed the song as much as I do. So once again, this is Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. I do have a good one.
and I like slip it in the crack 